Welcome to the Business Playdate, a podcast hosted by Lindsay White and Betsy Moorhead, two internet strangers turned business besties. We're two marketing professionals living across the country, raising our kiddos while running our own individual businesses. We built these businesses based on our experiences working in corporate management roles with the end goal to be able to show up for our families first. And we did it. We're so happy you're here with us. Now let's get into this week's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Business Playdate. How are you doing, Lindsay? I'm doing good. I feel like Friday like came so fast this week. It did. It did. Yeah, this week was not nearly as crazy as last week. But um, well, today's fun. So you're listening to our 10th episode. We've had 10 of these. That's crazy. I know. It's super crazy. And so we wanted to celebrate by doing a little something different. As we've mentioned, we're gearing up to bring on some really awesome guests and we're getting like everything worked out behind the scenes, but we thought that it would be fun to use the 10th episode to experiment with how we are going to be interviewing our guests in the future by doing a two-part series. And so part one that you're going to listen to today is me, Betsy, interviewing Lindsay in the style style (laughs) of how we will be uh, engaging with our guests. And then part two will come out tomorrow. So you'll be getting a double whammy and Lindsay will be doing the reverse and interviewing me. Exciting. So fun. So I'm going to do my best to let Lindsay just answer the questions and go her merry way. But you know us, we may go off on a tangent. So we'll always bring it back to where we need it to be. Yeah, who knows? Um, So this is going to be really fun. Excuse me. So my little journalist heart is very happy. I'm very excited to be an interviewer. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Did you hear that? Yes. Yes. There's like a frog in my throat. I saw a TikTok about this the other day about how like, anyway, I digress. Let's get into your interview. Let's. So, Lindsay, we want the people to understand how you got to where you are today. What's your story? Let us hear it. What, what's, what, uh, how, how did Lindsay White and the White Label Creative come to come fruition? To yeah. Tell us. Well, let's let's go back to when it started, like 2018, maybe even 2017. I had been working in a corporate job for a really long time. I had a pretty good corporate job. I worked at a, a big firm and I worked in an in-house ad agency and I liked it. I was doing a lot. I acted as a CMO for my clients. It was great. We did a lot of fun projects, did a lot of cool things. And then I was kind of like, okay, what's my next move? I had gotten a lot of promotions in my corporate job really fast. And Mm -hmm. I remember the CMO actually sent me an email once and he was like, hey, just so you know, like no one's ever been promoted this many times so quickly. Like don't expect this. Like this isn't the norm. I was like, okay, whatever. Thanks. Um, So so I, I had been like maybe a year or so since I had got my made my latest move within that department. And I was like, you know what? I, I need to make a change. So I actually changed over to a another marketing role within the firm, but outside of the agency. So then I acted on the opposite side, which was really interesting. So I was mm-hmm. like the client of the marketing agency. Um, so I'd seen a lot of things. I was at this firm. I did that job for about a year. And I feel like I've always been the type of person that's like, okay, what's my next thing? What's my next move? Which is definitely probably the inner anxiety in me. <laughs> but <laughs> but I was kind of like, okay, what's my next move? And I was just 
I don't know. I was just really unhappy in the corporate environment. I think that not going into details, but I just don't know that corporate corporate is not meant for two people. Like mm-hmm. in I was married. I didn't have any kids at the time, but I knew I wanted kids and I was like this is just not sustainable. My yeah. husband works a very serious job. Like he works long hours. He was at the same firm as I was. Um I worked long hours. And we were tra- – like it was a 30-minute commute to the office. It was long days. I was traveling like maybe once a month at least. And it was a lot. And I was like, I can't bring a kid into this environment. Um, yeah. This isn't going to work. And I just wasn't happy. I wasn't in control of my own trajectory. Like I constantly was like, okay, give me more. I want to take on more. I want – to be in this space. I want to be in this space. And, you know, I could take on as much as I could, but I still wasn't in control of my destiny, if were you will. Were you like, were you in the mindset of like the trajectory of climbing the ladder at that point in your career? Or were you kind of already checked out of that mentality? Or had you ever had that? I definitely had that. And mm-hmm. I, at one point, really wanted to climb the ladder. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be boss babe, you know, like corporate, whatever. Um, And then I kind of like was slowly getting out of that. I was like, this is not what I want. You know, I want to be in control of my income. I think that was where I really wanted to be. I wanted to be in control of my income. And I was feeling a lot of guilt in corporate. Like my job, I needed to be in my office from eight to five kind of thing. And yes, my bosses didn't care if I came and went, you know, doctor's appointments, whatever. They didn't, they truly did not care. That said, I always felt so guilty. So Hmm. like if I had a doctor's appointment, I would be like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know. It's just like this layer of guilt that like I should be at the office, like walking out, grabbing my bag and walking out. Like I just felt like I wasn't being a good employee. What's that? It's the the culture of the corporate world. The the hustle, like you got to, you, you have to like dog eat dog, right? Like if you're not doing it, someone else is doing it. And yeah, yeah, I totally can relate with that. I get it. And I think that I... I don't know if I can say that I wasn't happy, but I really wasn't happy. I don't, it was, and it was, a, it wasn't like one specific thing. It was just the continual rolling. I was like, I was supposed to be in the office for what? Your a corporate day is like eight hours. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm doing my job in like three. Yeah. I was just about to ask, like, did you, was there like a, a pivotal point? Like where you were like, what am I doing? Like I could be being so much more efficient yes. doing something else. Well, so I think it came down to my end of year bonus. We got bonused every year at the end of the year and you got your raise then. Mm-hmm. And marketing is always a cost center. Like I know we're not getting, you know, monumental raises over here, but my raise was like one and a half percent. I don't even oh. think it was one and a half whole percent. And like that was what everyone got. Everyone was getting that same raise. But I was like, yeah. this sucks. Yeah. I got that number on paper and like my review was, you know, it was like a one through four system, fours across the board. Like, you're great. You're doing awesome. Here's your 1% raise. And it's like, well, this sucks. Yeah. Like, how, how long had you been in your job? Like in that, with that company? For a bit over a year, like a year and a half. Yeah. Um, but I'd been with the company for about seven years. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. And every year I got the same raises. Like it wasn't like this was new to me, but it was kind of like that year was the year I was questioning so many things of like, what am I doing here? Like I, I knew I needed to make a change. I knew I wanted to make a change and I had no idea what that change would be. No clue. Yeah. Like 
I looked at being a manager at a pottery barn. I like like weird things. Like yeah. I was just whatever ex- you could do. Whatever I could do. I think like that was also the year I discovered maybe like Amy Porterfield or Jenna Kutcher, like started to see them on the internet and like building these internet businesses. And I was like, that's super intriguing. And then I would see like other consultants that we worked with at the firm who were, you know, doing something very technical and very consultanty. Um were different than what my set of skills was. I was like, how come they are able to do all of this? And I'm just stuck here in this office doing my work in three hours and then trying to figure out how to like take on more and the other five or like spend my time in the other five hours. I don't know. It just wasn't adding up to me. I wasn't I I wasn't bought into the corporate culture anymore. Yeah. So what like so what was the essentially like the final straw or what you said the the bonus. The bonus. But what 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 was the next step after that? Yeah. So the bonus was definitely the final straw. Um, I, like I said, I started to discover Amy Porterfield, Jenna Kutcher and that kind of stuff. Um, and then I discovered Michaela Quinn and her, I don't know if I discovered her podcast or her Instagram channel or what, but I was like, you know what? This is cool. Freelancing is a thing. I didn't really know much about freelancing. Um, started to do some Googling and I found Upwork. And so I made an Upwork profile and I was like, this was before I, quit my job or anything. Like I was still working my corporate job. And I was like, let me just see what kind of things are out there. And so I started looking at what freelance jobs were coming through Upwork. And there were a lot of really terrible ones. Um, But there were some good ones. And there was a position that was like building out an email campaign for Harvard Business School. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, well, let me apply. I got the job. So I was like, oh, great. So then I did. It was like, I don't know, maybe $800, which is great for a first freelance project. Um, so I did this this job for Harvard Business School. Looking back on it, I kind of think I was doing someone else's job for them. But yeah. nonetheless, I – Like they were like, I don't want to do this. Let's yeah, get – I'm just going to like farm it out. Oh um, but I did it and they used my you know email campaign and all of the setup that I did. I think I used MailerLite for it. And that's when I was like, okay, this is viable. Like, this is a viable situation. When was this? This was in November or December of 2018. So it was like right right in that time. It was like right when my review was happening. I was doing all of these pieces. And then after I delivered that project to Harvard Business School, I got my raise, my 1%. And I was like, you know what? I'm out. Yeah. So I... And it's, I remember my husband, my husband works like a building over because we we're at the same firm. And I remember him texting me like, you got to go tell the, like, you're never going to be able to leave unless you go actually quit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to my boss's office and I was like, hey, like, this isn't what I want to do anymore. This isn't the direction that I want to take my career. I'm going to make a change. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I want to give you good notice. No idea. No idea. No idea. I gave them six weeks notice. I was like, look, I want you to be in a good situation. Start interviewing people. Like you can help me be part of the interview process. That's great. But I 100% like am leaving. So I gave them a date. It was like a super random date in like the middle of January. So I I gave my notice. That was the end of December. Uh, I was leaving the end of January and I bought Michaela Quinn's course. So when I bought her course, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to stand up a, a marketing business. That's just what I'm going to do. Like that's what I know right now. And maybe it'll change. Maybe it'll grow. I don't know. But let's just try it. Yeah. So my goal when I left my corporate job was to within like a couple months make $1,000 a month. I was like, I've got like about six months to make $1,000 a month. Mm-hmm. Super low barrier to entry goal. Like I was like, I didn't want to set myself up for failure. 
I knew I would be able to build something, but I just needed to like set my sights small. So I took on a couple of small clients. Like I worked with a wellness influencer for a little while. I worked with a Pilates studio. Um, I worked with a magazine that was doing like editorial stuff, just like small projects, a lot of social media, a lot of email. Um, And then I got my client that I work with now in financial services. And so I started working with him. He's still a client with me now um, doing email marketing, kind of like mini CMO, that kind of stuff, coordination between a lot of other creatives that he had hired on as contractors. So kind of like this CMO, quarterback, director of marketing role. And then that summer, I cold pitched someone that I knew from my corporate experience. They were actually a speaker who I brought in for a conference one year. And I actually, for my client that I was just talking about, the the man that I was working with, I was looking for specific generational content. And so I started, I was like, oh, you know what? I know this person who does great generational content. I went to her website and there was no content there. And I was like, girlfriend, like, you are the best speaker I've ever heard on this specific type of content. Like, I want access to this kind of content. So I pitched her and I was like, hey, I don't know if you have thought about marketing, if you've thought about creating an email newsletter, if you thought about creating a blog, but I know what you talk about and I know what your insights are and they're great and they need to be out there for the world. Like if this is something that is on your radar, let me know so that I can get access to it because I'm trying to help a client out. But if this is something that you know you haven't thought about and you need help doing it, let me know. I'd love to have a conversation. So it's a very genuine cold pitch essentially. I mean – warm if you will but she I doubt she even remembered me I was you know just a, a cog in the the conference that I was creating um and so I pitched her I did a huge marketing strategy plan for her which was really awesome and so that's kind of how the business that I have today was born so yeah. um you know now, now- was it your vision when you first started or was it just like I'll take kind of anything I can get until I figure out what makes sense. Or when you started freelancing, were you like, I want to build an agency one day? Was that your- Yes. No, it was not my vision. I didn't really have a vision. My vision was Mm -hmm. like, I need to figure out how to recoup a corporate income. And I knew I wanted to do something that was somewhat professional. Like Like in the professional services space, I think in the back of my brain, I was like, Actually, no, reverse that. In the front of my brain, I was like, I want to work with these food bloggers. I want to help create courses. I, You get in this – like I started an online business and you get in this like – you get in this online business bubble. Mm-hmm. And every time I tried to do that, I was like, this is not authentic to me. This is not where my value is. I would need to learn a whole new like life. Mm-hmm. in this bubble, why am I not just reverting to my past? And I actually think that this was a mindset issue I had for a couple of years um, where I was like wanting to – seeing the shiny objects, right? Like, oh, I mean, course creators can make a billion dollars and I of can help support their team and it'll be so amazing and look at all these flashy lights. But at the end of the day, like – I've realized who I am, what my value is, and how I can push that forward and build a career that I'm proud of, build a career that aligns with who I am as a person. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would say, you know, now where I'm at in my 
business journey is so much more authentic to who I am, but it took so much time to figure that out. I mean, you don't know what you don't know. So when you're taking it all, like you don't know online business until you discover online business. And then you're like drinking from a fire hose, you know, and there's so much coming at you and you're taking it all in and you're digesting it all. And your brain is moving in all these directions of like, oh, I could do that or I could do this or I could do that. Um, And I, you know, I would say that it took me a couple of years to really figure out, okay, I am – where my value as a service provider is, is a marketing agency for financial services firms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's where my value is. Yeah. So when, so the first couple of years of your business though, you, I mean, you had a huge life change. Your first child was born. Mm-hmm. So how a lot of the, you know, we all know a lot of our listeners are moms. Um, and your story is a little different because you started your business before you became a mom, but you yes. knew like that was on your near horizon. So can you tell everyone kind of, what it was like once you had a child, like you had already been what, almost a year ish into your business. So when you first, when you had Asher, like did things change? Did like your perspective change again? What was like, was there another like aha moment during that time? Or were you just like, I'm happy as hell, you know, like this is great. So I was pregnant for like the first, you know, year pretty much. And then I had my son at that point during my pregnancy, I was really stepping into more of a leadership role with my main retainer client at that time, um, which was great. And I was really taking on these CMO type of tasks. And so I was feeling a lot of progression. You know, I was making decent money and hitting my income goals and all of that which was great. And then I had my son. And at first it was like, okay. And I was like, you know, it's just going to be business as usual. And it was okay for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, my son, <laughs> oh, yes. a couple of weeks, my son was colic and oh. he screamed all the time. He was severe dairy and soy intolerance, which we discovered at like two weeks old. Um, and I could so I I mean I had this weird juggle of like I'm trying to build this business I've barely gotten that figured out and now I'm navigating being a new mom and yeah. like I'm having this struggle with eating because I was breastfeeding and I definitely like looking back on it I had a massive amount of postpartum anxiety yeah um but I did not know that at the time um and so I was definitely struggling to try to figure it out so I kind of got into a rhythm it was a very stressful rhythm. Uh, where I was doing the naptime hustle and I was constantly like trying to work on my laptop while bouncing this baby and trying to get him to sleep and trying to make myself food because I couldn't eat anything that was prepared by anyone else but me because I was dairy-free and soy-free. And it was like a this huge – it was hard. It was yeah. super hard. Um, around – let's see. Around like – not like six to nine months old, I borrowed a friend's nanny. So my friend had two nannies and they were working like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Tuesday, Thursday. So I ended up taking her nanny that was off on Tuesdays and Thursdays and having her come help me on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So she was helping me a little bit here and there. There was no real um, rhythm to it, but it helped alleviate me from meetings because as I mentioned, I was stepping into this leadership role with my client and I really liked what I was doing. And I knew that stepping back from my business wasn't the answer right. um, because I knew that in order for me to keep progressing, like obviously your business will always be there. You can, once you start a business, like it's not like, it's not linear. Like you can take a step back and jump back in and we can dive into that a little bit more in other mm-hmm. phases of my life. But I knew that if I took a step back, I probably wasn't going to be able to get in my foot in the door 
with the same level of client that I was working with at that time. Yeah. So the nanny helped a lot. She helped me. She's the hardest worker to this day that I've ever met in my entire life. I I beg her all the time, please come work for my business, please. (laughs) Like I will do anything for you to come work with me again. Um, Well, also good for you for recognizing that you needed the help instead of like continuing to try to like juggle it all. Yes, I needed the help. Um, She did housework for me. She did laundry for me. She set the bar really high for all of my future nannies. Um, And so she was with me for the summer and then she was had to go on. Um, So that was good. So then I ended up being like, okay, nanny is is where I I need some help. I don't want – I did not want nor need full-time help, um, which it makes it tricky when you're hiring a nanny. So I brought in a nanny. She worked part-time. She was in school. So we worked around her school schedule. Um, and she came and helped me with my son for, I mean, she was with me literally until a year ago. Last August was when she left. Do you feel like if you had not hired that or borrowed that friend's nanny and hired her for Tuesday, Thursdays, that your business would be where it is today? No, I think the biggest, one of the things that I tell people who are new in their business and struggling is you need to treat your business like a business. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, there are all different kinds of clients that we can work with. My specific clients work in offices. And no, they don't care if they I have a screaming baby in the background. They truly do not. But you know who does care? Me. I can't handle that level of stress. Like I was not being a good mom and I was not being a good business you know, service provider because my brain was like, oh my gosh, here's more puffs. Here's more puffs. Let me get you a water activity. Let me get this set up. Oh my gosh. Like, oh yeah. Like, let's take a look at that campaign. Hold on one second. You know, I was not doing a good job. You had the dual guilt, right? You had the mom guilt and then the the work guilt. Yes. And that's what I left my corporate job to avoid. Like I would love to say you can have it all, but you can't. I mean, and it depends. Like maybe your all is different than my all, but I couldn't have my all all at the same time. Like I had to be able to compartmentalize my life. And now where like fast forward, I don't know, four or five years, um, I can very much say like my family comes first. There is absolutely no – and that's always how it's been. Like there's no business thing that could ever come before my family. And it took a lot of mistakes to be able to live that out. You know, you can all day long be like, oh, I'm building my business because of my kids. Like that's my why. And it's like break that down. What – why are you building this business for your kids? Is it so that you can have freedom to travel with them? Is it so you can have freedom to homeschool them? Is it so you can have freedom to have monetary freedom where you can buy the house for your kids and buy them a car when they turn 16? Like what? Break it down more because you can say all day long, like my why is my son, but I needed to figure out what enough was for me and my family. And part of that enough is like, I need to build a business that can grow and it can also grow at the level that I want it to grow, which I have very high goals, mm-hmm. but never at the expense of my family. Right. And I also know now, and I think having having that nanny helped me realize like I need working hours. Yeah. I need like now I have set working hours. My clients don't necessarily know what my working hours are. They don't need to know. But mm-hmm. I know what my working hours are, so I can make sure I have childcare. Yeah, because <laughs> if you have I don't boundaries. have yeah, if I don't have childcare, I can't work, and I also am being a terrible mom. Yeah. What? So you kind of said it a little bit, but 
what is success to you? I mean, like, sure. Now you're a few years, few years past that or four years almost past, you know, having your first child, you have another child, you've ebbed and flowed and grown and changed your business in that time immensely. Mm-hmm. Um, but your values are still the same, right? Like you're still in it for the same reasons that you started it. So what does success look like to you? And everybody's different. So mm-hmm. this question will always have a different answer to it, but can you define that? Yeah. So I would say, so now my business has a couple of different avenues, right? Mm-hmm. Like I work with other women who are leaving corporate or they're freelancers and they're trying to level up their business and like step into more of this leadership role. So I have kind of that avenue. And then I have my agency and I, you know, love to serve my clients and my team in the agency. Um, and so really from a business perspective, it's to serve everyone in the absolute highest caliber that I can and whoever crossed my path. You know, whether that's a client, whether that's a someone who's going through my course or my program, whether it's someone I'm coaching, you know, to best serve whomever that is. And that also crosses over into my family. You know, I want to be the best mom I can be. And so that's kind of part of what my enough is. I have five or so guiding words that I use a lot, you know, home. Like I want to be able to be home. I want to be able to create a home. I want to have a nice home. Um, Freedom. I want to be able to travel. I want to be able to stay home when my kids are sick. I want to be able to uh, do the things I want to do. Uh, If I want to go to Target and buy something, I want to be able to buy it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like freedom can mean so many different things. I want to be free from like illness. Like I want to be able to stay healthy. I want to be able to have time for myself, which is something that's always been lacking. Mm -hmm. Um, Still to this day, a troublesome thing. But um, the growth, I want to grow as a person, like personally, I want to grow professionally. I want to grow my business. Um, Those sorts, I want to grow within my community. Community is another one. I want to create people around me that I love or have the same values as me, like whether that's in my neighborhood or with my friends, like, Mm -hmm. you know, having a group of people around me is important. Um, and then stepping forward in intention, like doing things intentionally, like doing, having the best yeses, like thinking mm-hmm. a little bit before I do something. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that's defining enough, but like those are the things that help guide where I'm going. Right. And I also think about things in terms of seasons, like some seasons are busier and some seasons are slower. And being able to accept that is sometimes hard. But knowing that there is an end date to that season can really help. Yeah. And you said this earlier on too, but like your business doesn't have to be linear. No. Like it never is. It never is. And my business was the largest it's ever been at the end of 2022. And January 2023, I pretty much closed the doors. Mm -hmm. And I took a huge step back. I moved all of my clients from agency clients over to consulting clients on really small packages. Mm-hmm. And I was – my family moved, you know, to a new state and mm-hmm. I was mom. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, present as a mom as much as I could be. I juggled a lot of things still. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, there was an end date. September was my end date and I knew there was an end date. There would be an end date and I did everything, you know, I could to keep myself sane. Yeah. And now I'm kind of back into business building mode and I would love to build my business back to where it was at the end of 2022, but it's going to take time. Yeah. It, you you said this, but so 
juggling things. I mean, you mentioned early on in your business, you recognized you needed to bring in a nanny. You know, you've um, had somebody come help right with like housework and those types of things as you were building and growing your business. And you've had a nanny since. And so what, what currently as you're working now to look towards the future to kind of regrow your business after this necessary time that you've mm-hmm. had this past year. So what is like moving forward? How are you kind of juggling things? So so laundry. Number one thing I'm looking <laughs> to hire out is laundry. Uh- <laughs> if you have a laundry service that will come wash, fold, and put away the laundry, away. please, please contact us. Or- um, laundry. No, but I one time heard, you know, like everyone always, you always hear, everyone's heard about the infamous village, right? It takes a village. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I heard someone say, you know, the village costs money and it does. The village costs money. And you right now, I mean, and maybe, maybe you do have a great village around you. I love that for you. Like yeah. you are the exception and not the rule, I think. Um, and I have great family. Like my fam- my mom is super helpful. My mother-in-law is super helpful. I have, you know, sister-in-laws and like I have a lot of people in our life who, yes, they're helpful, but they don't live here or they have their own lives that they're managing. Like they are not completely my village. Like right. hiring house help. Like I don't like cleaning, so I'm hiring that out my time. If my kids are at school or with a nanny or something, you know, my time is way more valuable to be spent working than mm-hmm. to be cleaning toilets. Like mm-hmm. it just is. Yeah. And so hiring that out, I, I'm just like such a huge fan of outsourcing, like even when it comes to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm not an SEO expert, which I'm not, I will hire it out to an SEO expert. You know, I it's love- going to take you more time to learn how to do that and figure it yeah. out than it is just to hire it out. Yeah. Exactly. Like a huge value that you can have as a service provider is knowing when to hire it out. Yeah. Um, but again, like the household help, having a nanny has always been super helpful, which I don't have right now. So that's the next step that I have. Um, and just getting, getting that help where you need it. Mm-hmm. But like for your, your, your time, you're very efficient with your time. Like do you have mm. a system? I know we've talked about like time blocking and stuff, but like you have like half day childcare at this point, right? So yeah. what are your systems yeah. in place business-wise to make sure that you, the, the short amount of time you have every week yeah. is taking care of business? Yeah. So getting in a state of flow, um, that is something my brother is actually like in computer science and he's mentioned that before, uh, that they like decoders like have to get in this flow state and then they just like, you know, sit in their little bubble and they code. So I definitely have found that I need to get in these flow states, which I'm very capable of getting into, but I can't be juggling from a billion things. So moving to like call days, like I have half, I have like nine to noon childcare, um, essentially. And so I will have like Mondays or a call day. I call have calls with clients. I have, you know, interviews or I will schedule. Those are like, a, that's a call day. And so generally I'll have one other call day a, a week, but then it leaves these big blocks of time because calls, you're just jumping, jumping, jumping. And your brain is kind of all over the place. Like I can't do a call and then have this 30 minute block in the middle and be like, okay, I'm going to knock out an email or like a copywriting content creation thing. Cause like, I'm not in that brain state. So like, in that weird interim time, I'll knock off a bunch of to-dos. Like those are all black. Like my clients will get blasts of emails all in like a weird little chunk because like I'm putting all of my weird little tasks into these small increments of time. So then on Tuesdays, I can have a huge content day where I am diving into 
creating, maybe it's our podcast, maybe it's an email to my list, maybe it's a, a blog post, maybe it's all of my Instagram posts for the week or whatever, like whatever is on my agenda for content creation, but I chunk it all into like I do copy all at the same time and I just get in that mode of writing and then I'll do designs and I'll jump into Canva and do a bunch of designs all at the same time because I can get in that brain space and it makes me way more efficient with my time. Yeah, you're compartmentalizing like the end goal Yes. At the same time. No, that's really cool. And like turn off – use the focus mode on your iPhone or on your computer. Like turn off email notifications. That's a Mm -hmm. huge – and text notifications. Yeah, that is definitely a very good idea to do that I have been implementing myself lately. So I will remember that. Yeah. Um, Okay. Well, to wrap this up, we have two questions that we'd like to – we, that me, that I would like to ask you. Um, Okay. So at the end of every episode, you know, we give a tangible tip depending on whatever the episode topic is. So for this, what is one tangible tip that you would leave our audience? It can be business related, life, kids, grocery store, organization, whatever you want to do. But what is one tangible tip that you would leave our audience with today? Well, I guess I'll, I'll give you two. Ooh. Um, I know. Overachiever. Um, the first one's more of a mindset tip. So be okay to take a season. You know, be give yourself grace. It's not going to be perfect. It's okay if you need to take a step back. It's okay if you want to grow immensely. Um, but be okay with where you're at and where you're going. But my actual tangible tip is treat your business like a business. Think about the things that your business needs to succeed for you to reach your goals. And that might mean hiring help. That don't be afraid of the dollar signs because your time is likely more valuable. Mm-hmm. Love it, love it. And then the last question: What is one non-business related thing that you are loving right now? I forgot we were going to be asking people this, and we just planned it. <laughs> um, what am I loving right now? I'm like looking around my house. Product routine, a show, music. Just got this. I just got this cute little bag. So I'm in the season of like motherhood where I've had a diaper backpack, you know, that Mm -hmm. I carried around with me everywhere. And I've realized that like I don't need the backpack all the time. Um, So I got myself this cute little – I mean, it wasn't super expensive or anything, but it's like very classic, looks cute um, little bag. It's Mm -hmm. like a a nude bag. I can dress it up, dress it down, whatever. And it's my new like daily bag and I can carry it. I could throw it in the diaper bag. Mm-hmm. Um, and Is I'm it loving like it. Body or like yeah, a, it's a, a belt it's a cross, bag? It's a crossbody. I'm not like a belt bag girl. Um, okay. it's a crossbody. So, you know, I've got just like my things and I've got like a lip gloss and I've got my wallet mm-hmm. and my phone fits in there and my keys fit in there. Like my things fit in there. And, and I can hands actually, free. And your hands free. And I can actually like th- even throw a diaper in there if I needed to. Where did you get it? It's called Demaye, D. <laughs> we'll D-E- put it in the show notes. D e m e l l i e r. It's cute. Oh, fun. Okay, yeah, you'll have to send a link so we can put it in the show notes. So everyone I will. Can see and it. I ordered it online, and it had the cutest packaging. And I'm a sucker for really good packaging. We know you love an online shopping trip, girl. <laughs> this was part of it. <laughs> If you didn't listen to the episode, that included the tidbit about the sweaters I was ordering. So this was part of my massive online ordering spree that I had to sneak into my house. Uh, my husband, we were on vacation like two weekends ago, and he saw – that was the first time I debuted said, said bag. Uh-huh. And he's like, where did you get that bag? <laughs> I was like, the internet? Like, yeah. why? And he's like, well, where? Like, I think he wanted to know if it was like from Neiman Marcus or like how expensive it was. And I was like, 
I got it. I ordered it. It's from the internet. Like I would not tell him. (laughs) Don't you worry about it. Don't you worry about it. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and having a business play date with me. Yeah, it was super fun. It was so fun. So these are some things that I hadn't heard yet uh, before, even though, I mean, we talk like every day. I hadn't heard some of this information. So it was fun to, to learn a little bit more and... Yeah. So join us tomorrow um, for part two of episode 10, where we'll be interviewing Betsy. I'm excited. Dive into this hot mess. That'll be fun. I love it. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.